0: And it's an honor to have Pastor Nickerson come minister. and let give him a hand. Is that I? Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bible, let's open up to the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going to start in verses 40 through 47. Really appreciate the uh, opportunity. Pastor gives me to, to preach anytime I get to preach, but especially behind my pastor's pulpit. Hallelujah. Taking notes, going to preach a sermon uh, entitled The Power of Fellowship. You know, in the, when I was a new convert, when I first got saved uh, several decades ago, the church I got saved in was not a big church. 32 people, counting the kids. So do the math, you know. And what impressed me about the church, three things as I remember: there was bold, in-your-face preaching; they told it like it was, in the way the Bible said it, and did not dance around. And I appreciated that. Amen. It wasn't relig- If you're a religious person, you would hate it because they did not say nice, pleasant things. They didn't throw your ego. Amen. They believed in discipleship. And to this day, preach and believe discipleship. Amen. Amen? Raising up of men. Proper roles. Their preaching was on point And biblical. And challenge you. The other thing was, the church did what the book of Acts church did. I'd read the book of Acts, and it was like, I'm living this. These people are doing this. It isn't just talk, or a sermon, or a Bible study, or a nice idea. They lived it. And the other thing was fellowship. They fellowshiped. I can count the excellent friendships and the relationships and the growth that occurred in me, and I can point that back to those things, but especially fellowship. So I want to preach about this tonight, because uh, Sunday nights we've been preaching about the supernatural, if you haven't gotten that. And so many times we devalue the importance of, of fellowship, We devalue. We even think that something supernatural occurs when we're fellowshipping. And yet there is. And it's something that lasts for the rest of your life or can if you are engaged in it. So I want to preach about this. The power of fellowship out of the book of Acts chapter 2 verses 40 through 47. I know we've read this many times before if you're old. So I'm praying that maybe you count yourself... An older saint. I want and challenge you to listen to this and take heart with new ears. With a new heart. Cry out as we pray, uh, as we read this, God, give me a new heart and new ears and let me put myself in this again. As if I've not heard it before. Remind me of some things that maybe I've forgotten. Amen? Verse 40, it says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them. This is Peter preaching Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized that day, and about 3,000 souls were added to them. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done. Through the apostles, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those are being saved. Let's pray. Father, I ask you this day that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to understand, a will to apply your word and your truth to us. Come and change us, I pray. The same spirit of fellowship that was in the early church, God, will continue. Is the dynamics of fellowship. Now, fellowship is more than when you go over to someone's house and eat. Amen? It says in our scripture that they did eat but there's also something more taking place than bellies getting full. The word fellowship in our scripture here, it says in verse 41 and 42, those who gladly received his word were baptized that day. About 3,000 souls were added to and They continued steadfastly in the apostle's doctrine and fellowship. And then the breaking of bread. Isn't that interesting that Luke, when he's writing this, is so careful to use different terms and different words? He says fellowship, which in the Greek is koinonia, and then breaking of bread. That's the eating part. But it's more than just eating. It is as if you were, in, you were having them in your house as family, as a honored guest. It wasn't just, yeah, okay, here's some food, get out of here. And you have nothing else to do with them. That is not the idea at all or what a fellowship is about. The word koinonia is a deep word. This word fellowship, it means a sharing, a unity, a close association, a partnership, participation, a society, communion, or fellowship with the rest of the believers. It also means help and brotherhood. There's a unity that is brought about that occurs by the Holy Spirit when we are in fellowship. We hear that verse, you know, where two or three gather my name, there I am in the midst. And we think, oh, that's when we're worshiping God. No, 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 no. That's in fellowship. That's when you're together, united by God with someone else in a common goal that God has decided. We're not talking about two guys getting together to hit an ATM. That's not fellowship. That's a criminal enterprise. In fellowship... Individuals share a common and intimate bond. And at the same time, what is happening is, or what ought to happen, is that we are individually and collectively cemented together with Jesus and each other. How many people, they say, Oh, well, I don't have to go to church to be saved. You know? Use the logic of that verse where two or three are gathering my name. Look, unless you're schizophrenic, there ain't no two or three when you're by yourself. It ain't just you and Jesus. I don't need, I don't need, church. You're prideful and you need to repent because you are a rebel and a mutant apart from what the gospel says. That is not the example of the Bible. What about Moses in the wilderness? That's an exception. And you know what God did? He said, hey, Moses, come here. I need you to go to get some other people. And then from then on, Moses was always with them. Don't get quiet on me now. Say amen or oh me. There's an atmosphere that is established in fellowship that is unlike anything else. Amen? You might think, oh, I'm just going over brother and sister to someone's house to eat some food and hang out. No, 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 you don't understand. There is something far deeper going on there in the spiritual. Why do you think the devil fights so hard to isolate you and keep you from going there? Hmm? Why do you think the devil fights so hard to keep you from hosting a fellowship? He doesn't want it. He doesn't want us to meet together outside the church and be encouraged, and he doesn't want all the things he knows are going to happen in the supernatural that happen at a fellowship. We don't think of this many times, do we? Oh, I'm tired. I want to go. I'm tired. I don't want to have those people over. Do you know what he or she said to me last week? You know you've done that. You know, doggone well. You've done that. <laughs> Had a fellowship plan and someone's up in your toes. Yeah, 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 Not your friend anymore. That's the adult way we say that, isn't it? There's an atmosphere. Listen, fellowship. It says in our scripture that those who were genuinely saved, not just people who prayed a prayer and then went on to do whatever the heck they wanted to do, people who were genuinely saved, received the word gladly, were baptized, what'd they do? Just go home and do their own thing? No! They chose to hang together. To continue in the doctrine, the preaching, the teaching of the apostles, and the fellowship one with another. See, it's folks who aren't truly saved that don't want a fellowship. Most of the time. Why? Conviction. They get around us. These people are weird. They're in a cult. They believe the same thing. Never mind the Bible says we should believe it, right? That's always overlooked. They've been brainwashed. Yes, my brain needed washing. By Jesus, not by another person. See, what happens in fellowship is more than eating and drinking. It is a sharing of lives And experiences. And out of this experience, this fellowshipping, what happens is there's an exchange that occurs that builds your faith. Whether you're the person that goes to someone's fellowship or you're the person that hosts it, what's amazing is your faith can be strengthened. Your faith can be, uh, 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 there's there's a strength that comes because, hey, there's someone else that believes the same thing I do. You know, the world's been beating on you day and day in, night, the devil's been beating you day and day in, night. People on the job saying you're Jesus freak resisting you, hell coming against you. But then you fellowship you come together with a like-minded brother and sister, and it's you know what? Who cares about all that mess? They got my back, I got theirs, and I'm not crazy, the world's crazy. And you can be strengthened by that, amen. The lies of the devil drop. Because, wait a minute, you're going through that too? That's what happens in fellowship. Amen? What happens is you, you rub up against a brother and sister and they irritate you because they're doing right and you're doing wrong and just their presence is convicting you. And you have to decide something then, don't you? Maybe I need what they have. Maybe I need to get some. Amen? One of my best friends is John Stapleman. He, used to, he has been going through some health issues, but he used to pastor several churches. We are so different. We are nothing like... The only thing we have in common is we're both white and we're both from the north. That's it! <laughs> that is it! There's things that he does and says and menisms that irritate the fire out of me. There's no reason. It just, it just is. And I'm sure there's things about me that are the same way. But the common thing we had that united us—I can remember—he was a part of our fellowship. He got sent to the army by the army to Germany, uh, went to uh, uh, kind of took a round trip back to Colleen, Texas, by going through Minneapolis. Heard the voice of the world. His wife kind of talked to him a little bit. But God convicted him and said, "I can't. We can't be here. This is not where God wants us to be. He wants us to be back there with those who we fellowshiped with." Amen. His wife, thank God, heard that, came down. And I remember I, I'd always hear about them, but I never met them. People used to always compare Diane and I to them. We're nothing alike. We're really, other than us being white, there's nothing, we're nothing alike. <laughs> but, but the thing that inspired me about this guy who I'd only heard of is that he had the faith to move his family from one side of the country to the other side. I said, I've got to meet this guy. There's something more than meets the eye to, to this. Met the guy. And ever since then, we were friends and bonded. Fellowship, friendship. That wouldn't have happened any other way. We learned from each other. You're in fellowship, that's where there are challenges that you have about yourself. Maybe a brother and sister challenges you or encourage you to serve where you never would have done so beforehand. That's where you learn, where new people come in and they learn these things from us. They hear about it in a sermon here, but guess what? They go to your house and they see it in action. That's what happened to me. That's what pulled me in and locked me in. Is I saw this in practice. It's like, wait a minute. You guys just don't talk about this and hear about it at church. But this is happening on Sunday afternoon. Sunday night. Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday night? Thursday. I think when I first got safe for the first month, I never went back to my barracks except maybe to sleep. Honestly. Now, I had a lot more energy back then. All right? I could stay up till 12 in the morning because I would have an hour and a half lunch where I could, you know, inhale some food and grab a snooze for 30 minutes. And then once I got off work, know what the awesome thing was? This is what I looked forward to. Change my clothes and get out there in fellowship and do something with my brothers and sisters. It was in fellowshipping at someone's house. That is that. And besides impromptu outreach as many times, I learned how to witness to people. Go get a bag of ice. Here's what happened. <laughs> I was followed up on by one of these guys, James Dunham, who is now a song leader in Havelock, North Carolina. James Dunham was classic for this. Hey, let's go get some ice. We need some chips. We go to our corner store. We weren't just getting ice or chips. Are you kidding me? If there was a human being breathing around there, we were going to witness to them, or him, or her, or the crowd, whatever. And it turned to an impromptu outreach thing. You know? he gave me flyers to hear, go talk to him. What? Put me on the spot, man. Well, he went and bought the stuff. And that's where I learned how to witness. By many times listening to him or being put... I know some of you guys are saying, don't you dare do that to me. I didn't like it at the time all the time, but I thank God for looking back because that shaped me. That wouldn't have happened if I didn't go to fellowship. You become stirred up. Amen? You see people opening. You know what? one of the things that bothered me because I wasn't 100% there yet? I mean, I was converted, saved, loved God, but I still had this New England, you know, area of like, look, 500 feet of leave me the heck alone. Yeah, I love God, but I had some issues, amen? And so I was so suspicious. Why are you people so kind to me? Why do you want me to go to your house? Are you trying to sell me Swampland, of Florida or something? What are you trying to get from me? Yes, I was that guy until God helped me. And I realized they wanted nothing from me except my friendship. And I saw people sacrifice. I saw people give of themselves. I saw people... I I learned trust. I, I learned that they trusted me. They didn't know me from Adam. And yet, what linked us together was Jesus Christ and their love and their desire to see me, a young single guy that could give them nothing, offer them nothing, friendship. They saw something that God had a possibility for my life, and they were willing to invest themselves in me. Not just in me, but in others. And that caused me to want to do the same thing. It stirred me up. I realized, you know what? I'm not in it alone. Again, I'd read the Bible and go, oh my gosh, this is, this is the Bible lived out. This is what Christians are supposed to do regularly. Amen? Amen? This is Christianity 101. And what happened is vision was sparked. When you're in fellowship, someone may say something to you and the Holy Ghost lights just a spark and it ignites into a flame that can last the rest of your life. That's what happens in fellowship. And of course, you have fun. You know? If you take yourself too seriously, especially if you're a single in the military, you learn that your walls are coming down. You're going to have to laugh at yourself a bit. And laugh at others. We play spades. And there was always someone who would talk smack in spades. And then they would learn a lesson in humility when they got set. <laughs> Back in those days, we did not have cell phones. And there was one guy who used to always do this, man. If he beat you and you got set in a game of spades, he'd, wait, he'd give you enough time to get home. Call you on the phone and say, You in a doghouse, you got set. And then hang up. Fellowship. You had to laugh. You learned some fun. You learn how to develop a good sense of humor that wasn't dirty and filthy. You play games, learn to laugh at things. You learn to laugh at bad things that happened to you in the world because you could commiserate. Because guess what? The person whose house you're after, you're there, they probably went through the same thing. Amen. And you learn it's not the end of the world. In a fellowship. You can be encouraged. It's there that relationships are built where the old meet the new and mix. Where the newer converts can glean off of the old and learn some things and not make their own mistakes. You know, making your own mistake is a freebie is not a sign of how awesome you are. It's a sign of folly and foolishness. But if you can glean off of older converts and say, you know what? I remember brother or sister so-and-so said that. And I'm faced with this situation that's the same. I'm not going to do what they did. They're crazy. I'm going to do what they told me not to do and what they learned. Happens in fellowship. On top of that, we older converts, you know, what happens sometimes is your fire can be dimmed down. Your zeal can be dimmed down a little bit. When you get around a new convert, oh, look out. You can get fired up again. This is, You know what? One thing I appreciate about being here so much is it, it Diane and I have talked about this many times. We're here and we're energized. Because we have been through some of the stages that a church of our size and our maturity has gone through before. And it rekindles that in us. Now, we, we pay for it later on physically sometimes. But you know what? In our spirit, in our mind, there's an excitement there that comes from the Holy Ghost. Because it's like, oh, praise God, we're going to be a part of something like this again! in a different place, with different people. Amen? That happens when you get around younger people and there's a zeal that fires up. Maybe you haven't witnessed in a long time on your own, you get around someone new and says, hey, let's go on an outreach. Right? And now you have, and to answer them, older convert, huh? Are you going to let the new convert show you out? Are you going to try to tamp down their fire, God help you? Are you going to go with them? Let that fire spread and see what happens. There's a joy of spending time together. Here it is. You know what? Think of this. Older saints, we've been laboring for years. Decades, some of you. Giving. Going into outreach. Leading things. Trying things. And then people come in that are new. You know what? That is the harvest of our labors. The Bible says that those who plant the seed, those who sow it, those who reap it, we get to have the joy firsthand of that harvest. And that harvest is people. Why in the world would we work so hard and people come out and we don't fellowship with them? That we don't get with them. That we don't enjoy the fruit of our labors and just leave it. Can you imagine a farm who ha- a farmer who's got thousands of acres, does everything right, has a bumper harvest and says, I'm just going to let it rot in the field. What a waste. When we choose not to fellowship, that's what we're doing. We let it rot out there in the field. You know what we're doing? This is going to be controversial, but it's the truth we're committing spiritual abortion. Except, we're going to let them get birth in the kingdom and just leave them there. Well, hope someone else follows up on them. Because I'm not going to. Amen? Why don't we go collect those sheaves and fellowship with them in our homes? Maybe you say, well, that's expensive, Pastor. I'm not saying you gotta do it by yourself, right? Count the cost. You get a bag of chips, someone gets some soda, pop some popcorn, have some Kool-Aid. Fellowship. Boom. You don't have to go get a turkey or KFC or this big expensive meal from uh, uh you know Texas Longhorn Steakhouse. Okay? You don't gotta give a three, five-course meal with French names for the dishes. Popcorn and Kool-Aid saved me, kept me saved, and strengthened me, and we had a... I haven't had someone pull a practical joke on me with popcorn. <laughs> James Dunham House again. Put salt in the... Sugar in the salt shaker. No one! I was going to put salt in my popcorn, because I always did. Everyone else knew it. I didn't bother checking, because I trusted him. Get the salt shaker... My brain is pre-programming my taste buds for salt. And I'm having Kool-Aid, so that's sweet too. It was, like, it was like breakfast cereal, man. I didn't know popcorn could be breakfast cereal. Played a practical joke on me with cheap old popcorn and Kool-Aid. And you know what? I remember it, and that's awesome. And yes, I did try that again on somebody else. At a fellowship, you can have fun. Listen, listen, listen. There is a crucial need for us to fellowship in this church. Are you talking to me? Do you got ears? I'm talking to you. It is critical to new converts. You may think, new, you know, older Ah, uh, well, I remember back in the old days when I, I needed fellowship, but I've been saved, uh, oh, 13 months. Oh, I don't need that stuff anymore. Yeah, you do. You probably need it about as much as a new convert does. There's things that happen in fellowship that don't happen in a church service. Is that doctrinal? The Bible says it. Listen. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and the breaking of bread and prayers. All who believed were together and had all things in common. That happened in a fellowship. They may have heard it at church but they saw demonstrated in a fellowship. I want you to think, older saints, if we neglect fellowshipping with new converts, you know what we're doing? We're cheating them of what we got. We're, we're, taking, we're stealing from them before they even get it. What has been afforded to you? And I, I want you to think and remember back in here, those of you who have been here long before Diane ever got here, Who fellowshiped with you? What things did you learn? What things were imparted by the Holy Spirit at that fellowship or those fellowships? What if they didn't do that? Where would you be? Where would you be? Would you even be saved to this day? What things would you have not learned if they said, You know what? I'm just going to church. Maybe they've been burned by people, because people are people. Amen? And people do people things. Sometimes not all good. Sometimes you converse rip you off. What if you allowed your heart to be cankered and bitter and, 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 and messed up by that, where you say, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. Where would you be? We can't cheat them out of what has been afforded to us out of something great. It says in Proverbs 27.7 Iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. The Holy Ghost will use you to help and sharpen other people. To put an edge on the, To grind out, out those rough spots. And make them sharp. So that God can use them to see others saved, So they can be sharp for the Holy Ghost. That's what happens When you fellowship one with another. There's a sharing of testimonies and you get to know people outside of service. There's friendships that are forged. You discover where things that people have a need of and you can minister to them. And they will surprise you. And they minister and bless your life as well. You can meet the needs of others. You know, we think, Oh Lord, Help me to meet people's needs. And, you know, somehow an angel's going to come to you in the morning. Thus saith the Lord God, Walter needs this. No, no, no. When you see you know, Walter comes over your house and says, Man, my tire's flat. I need a t- new tire. I don't have the money for a tire. And you happen to have the money for a tire. And you get a tire for Walter. That's spiritual. But an angel didn't come to me. Maybe God planned for Walter to go to your house for that reason. Because he knew you had something that you could meet his need. That's how God works many times. It's more than food that is shared, but it's a vision that is shared. You know, when I got saved, all I knew is I wanted to be saved, not go to hell, and go to heaven. Amen? And then God called me to preach. And I had no clue what that meant. I remember going to my pastor, Pastor Alvarez, and I was so excited. Pastor, I think I'm called. It was during a revival service. I got a word. I was going to be fruitful. Now, there's a lot of different meanings for that, but I took it out. And then God said, I want you to preach. I want you to impact people. Like, first with me? I need to ride somewhere. (laughs) Next is I need to obey God. said, Pastor, I know that I'm called. What do I do? And I was waiting for this heavy, super awesome spirit spiritual thing, and he said, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, my balloon was popped, but you know where I learned the things I needed to, to, to fulfill that calling? It was many times in fellowships, other guys that were called to preach, other people who weren't called to preach but were pillars in the church, and I learned to value them in fellowships. It's a place where you can learn and ask questions. How many of you, and we're going to have Sunday school soon, and, and those of you who have been had Sunday schools before, and you wanted to ask a question at Sunday school, but you were a chicken. Because there's other people around. Look, Be honest, you know you've done that. But you get in a fellowship, and you ask that question, and you get an answer. It's no less spiritual and no less valuable. And you remember that for the rest of your life. You know, the fellowships are really an extension of the church. If you look at the early church, when they got, if, they, if they had, you know, try to have church in a, in a temple, a lot of times they got beat down. Amen? It eventually became illegal to be a Christian. That's why Paul was going after folks that were Christians. And so where would they meet? In houses. It says in verse 44 of our text, in breaking bread from house to house. It wasn't just one dude's house. Many people... There was 3,000 of them. That means there's probably new converts having fellowships with other new converts. I don't think it was just 150 that got saved, alone doing it all. It says in 1 Corinthians 69, the churches of Asia greet you. Paul's writing this. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Now we don't know for sure whether Aquila and Priscilla were actually pastors, but they had a house and they had church at their house. There was fellowships going on there. Listen, listen, Saint. There is a need to open your house and, ha- and have a spirit of hosp- hospitality and to share what God has done in your life and to share your life with others. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. The last thing I want to look at is the blessing of fellowship. Our text, verse 44 through uh, 47, says this, No, all who believed were together, had all things in common. Sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And listen to this, this is key. This is not like an aside thing, it's related. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That is the blessing of... There is something special about fellowships at people's homes and that God looks at that and He considers it special to Him. Think of this. We are doing on a small scale, not to insult what we're doing, but think with me. We're doing on a small scale what God has done on a larger scale. He sent Jesus, His Son, to give us spiritual food, to die on the cross, to cleanse us by His blood, To invite us, where? To his Father's house. Where we're going to have a fellowship for all eternity. We're merely doing what God has already done. There's something special about that. What happens is God miraculously grows the church. As we have fellowships, we grow closer to God individually. And as a church as a whole, we grow closer to each other. There's a link that becomes forged. It says in Psalms 133, verses 1-3, through a familiar portion of Scripture, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion, for the Lord commanded the blessing there, life forevermore. Out of this unity of fellowship, David writes and he says, listen, when we are together, when we have one goal, isn't it amazing how in the last couple years in COVID, there's been so many things in our society where the devil has tried to use it to, to drive a wedge between us. Racially, class, different things. That is no mistake to try to isolate people. How many people during COVID stopped fellowshipping completely? And they never came back to the kingdom. Never came back. But the ones who said, you know what? We're not letting this stop us because the church ain't a building. The church is not servicing. There is no law against fellowship. Okay, they tried to pull that mess. And if you fell for it, shame on you. Because God's law is a lot higher than man's law. What about COVID? Look, you know what? Everyone's going to get COVID one of these days. Of some type, so why are you going to be oh, COVID? Oh, oh, oh. Look, it's a win-win situation. And again, I'm not trying to lighten it. Or you know, those who are mourning for relatives, I, I understand that. If I die because of COVID, I win because I get to go to heaven sooner. Ha <laughs> ha! Beat y'all. <laughs> if I don't die of COVID, I got more time in this world to preach. I win. Ha <laughs> ha! Devil. Thank you, Jesus. That's how we have to view that. You know where I learned that? Fellowship. Have to view things from God's perspective, not an earthly perspective. Listen, it is an anointing. There is a special anointing upon churches that follow God's plan. The plan of linking your life together. In in, in that scripture I read in Psalms 133, it compares it to an anointing from God upon a priest. For the purpose of God. And it says God commands blessing to be there. Is anyone bigger than God? Listen. If God commands a blessing, the devil can't mess with that. Unless we choose to disobey God. See, out of this unity, the church grows. God grows the church. As your heart and my heart is enlarged. Listen. Listen. You, how many of you pray prayed, God, give me a heart for people, and we wait for some kind of angel or something magical to happen? No, 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 no. You know what happens? You know your heart's enlarged? When you choose to allow others in your life. When you choose to care for other people. And what happens is you realize you do care for them. You see a need and you say, man, my heart goes out to them. I, I, I don't want to just feel sorry for them, but you have empathy. You have compassion as Jesus had compassion, where you get involved in their life. Your heart is enlarged. Imagine if that happens all of us here. Listen, God could double the church in, in, a, in a week, a month. Pastors have a nightmare. Oh, no, we get to knock down the walls again. Hey, that's a good problem. Amen? Because we're about souls, man. The church becomes enlarged. I wonder how many people you became disciples. I mean, where you made a decision, I'm going to be a disciple because of a fellowship. You went to someone's house. You saw how serious and legit they were in the kingdom. You said, man, I want to be like that brother. I want to be like that sister. And it happened because you just were invited to someone's house. You get to talking about the kingdom of God. You saw that they were real and said, man, that's what I want. In closing, I want to challenge you. Keep fellowshipping. If you're already doing this, keep doing it. Don't, don't get tired. Don't get tired. Amen? If you're not doing it, why not? Why not? What good reason do you have? I'm oh, broke. Get with brothers and sisters who aren't broke. Come on, you know doggone well, when you were a sinner and you wanted to do sinner things, what did you do? You found some money to do the sinner things. Why not apply the same logic? Huh? Popcorn and Kool-Aid doesn't cost that much. Find someone that has some water, and a microwave. Fellowship, boom. No sugar, unless you like that kind. Why not start up fellowshipping again? But I'm single. I'll tell you what. When I was single, and there's other single guys, we fellowshipped and we terrorized some restaurants. We terrorized some folks in the park. I remember one time there was a trend or crossdresser, because that's back then what we called them, some jacked up, demon-possessed dude running across the parking lot in high heels trying to run from us because we were running out from them with fires to witness to him. That dude outran us. I would never have done that if I didn't have my brothers with me, but we did. There was no crowd that was safe. If we saw a crowd, that meant instant outreach. That happened when I was fellowshipping with my brothers. And listen, the devil always wants to divide us. Don't let him. If you are having a bad day, go fellowship with someone and ruin the devil's day. Amen, Let's bow our head, close our eyes. Maybe you're here, you're not saved, you're not living for Jesus. Listen, I, w- I want to tell you, God, God is so awesome. He loves you so much. I was not raised in a Christian church at all. I was raised by two backsiders that rebelled and went away from